You're listening to the North American Francophone Podcast, hosted in English by Claire-Marie Brisson and proudly recorded in Charlottesville, Virginia. Welcome to a special episode of the North American Francophone Podcast. To all of my listeners who just celebrated Christmas, I hope that you had a wonderful time with family and friends alike. For those that are still celebrating Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, continue to have wonderful times with your family and share in all the joys that this holiday season brings. I made the long journey from Virginia to Michigan to celebrate Christmas with my loved ones here in the Metro Detroit area, and seeing the other travelers with me going to their respective homes, families, and other destinations made me think about how important the holiday season has become. I began to reflect on the holiday season as I journeyed back to Michigan, and in particular, the Christmas traditions that I hold dear. I particularly started thinking about my own traditions as a Catholic, as a descendant of French Canadians, and also as a person who's interested in all of the traditions that were brought before me. So I started doing some research about the holiday traditions and what was most important to Francophones living in North America. How did they celebrate and what did those celebrations really look like? The first North American Francophones would have observed a very traditional form of Catholicism. And in traditional forms of Catholicism, Advent, or the weeks leading up to Christmas, would have been a time of fasting. Now, many people, when they think about fasting, they think about the lead up to Easter. I'm sure many of my listeners are very familiar with Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. New Orleans, you do a fantastic job of celebrating that holiday. Keep going. We love it. <laughs> But for many of you who don't know what that is, Mardi Gras is a time where you celebrate, you overindulge, you eat as much as you can. Side note, you may drink as much as you can. And then after that, there's 40 days, which are called Lent. And this is where Catholics will fast for 40 days. In the modern era, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to give up something for Lent. So they give up one thing, like they give up chocolate or maybe Facebook. But traditionally, this was a 40-day fast. It was also accompanied by almsgiving and penance. So it was something that was very serious that led up to Easter, and it was a time of reflection, quietude, and hard work to really, truly become a better Christian. And at the same time, Advent, or the lead up to Christmas, was very similar. This meant that the most wonderful time of the year probably wasn't the most wonderful time of the year for many of the Francophone North American families. Similar to the observance of Lent, which comes from the Old English Lenkten, which means spring or lengthening of days, Advent, which comes from the Latin ad, which means to, and venire, or come, or things to come, was the arrival or the celebration of the arrival of Christ and was considered a very contemplative time for Christians. So many of the Francophone North Americans celebrating Christmas would then break their fast at the end of Advent, which is now known to us as Christmas Eve. This is the reason why many French Canadians, for example, celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve if they're following the old tradition of how Christmas was celebrated. For example, my family has always opened our Christmas presents on Christmas Eve and has had the larger meal on Christmas Eve rather than on Christmas Day. 
I'd be very interested to hear if any listeners also have had that experience. If you want to send me a message, find me on Twitter at the underscore francophone or find me on Facebook and send a private message to the North American Francophone podcast. I'm not sure if many people still follow through with that tradition, but I do know that Christmas Eve still plays a great role, at least in my family's observance of Christmas. And since we've explored together so many of the Francophone North American food traditions in episode one and two of the podcast, I thought I would give you a little bit of an insight into what was served on Christmas Eve traditionally in Francophone North American households. If you have some connection to French-Canadian heritage or you are from Canada, you may be thinking about tourtière. This is a meat pie, and from family to family, the recipe would vary, also from region to region. I know that my family has included veal, pork, sometimes lamb, and beef. And you would add in different ingredients as they were available. So, for example, you would add in potatoes, you might add in some peas, but it really depended on the harvest and the season that you had that year. For Acadians, the term tourtière is not as preferred, and instead they will call it the pâté à la viande. This is really the cousin to the tourtière, made similarly, but again, it varied from region to region and from family to family. But if you can think about something like a shepherd's pie or a mincemeat pie, it's very similar, and it was a popular dish at the time across different cultures, including the Irish, Scottish, and English cultures that were prevalent in these communities as well. Aside from the pâté à la viande or tourtière, there were also other things on the table. Usually there was a roast pork. Sometimes there was roasted and stuffed goose, which would eventually be replaced with turkey since turkey was more prevalent. And then this wonderful meal would be capped off with a delicious array of desserts. For many of you, when you think about French-Canadian desserts, you might think of the tarte au sucre, which originated from northern France and Belgium. It's a sugar pie. It's made more or less with a whole bunch of brown sugar and then put into a pie crust. And yes, indeed, this was a very popular dish and continues to be a popular dish with French-Canadians. But there was also tarte à la farlouche, which is a molasses pie. If you think about pecan pie with molasses, it tasted very similar to that minus the nuts. On Acadian tables, there was also a special dessert that was called croque-signole. It's kind of a donut dough that was rolled and then cut into pieces that were twisted and then cooked in melted fat. If you've ever enjoyed the powdered sugary goodness of a beignet in New Orleans, then you more or less have had a croque-signole. And whether the croque-signole or beignet are twisted or look a little bit more like pillows with powdered sugar on top, I guarantee you'll enjoy them with a nice cup of coffee or hot chocolate. As Christmas Eve was such a lively affair, Christmas Day was fairly quiet. Families were resting, would play games from time to time, and would have family and friends over, but it wasn't the Christmas Day that we anticipate now in the 21st century. In fact, the Christmas celebrations that we associate so strongly with Christmas Day nowadays, where we open presents surrounded by family and friends, really didn't exist for Francophone North Americans at the outset. Christmas Eve was to be shared with friends and family alike over delicious food, and that in itself was a gift enough. The real gift-giving time was during something known as Epiphany. You may be familiar with the three wise men that visit Jesus with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and that's the time when people would start to give gifts to one another in remembrance of those gifts that were given to the baby Jesus. For Francophone North Americans, the more exciting holiday between Christmas and New Year's was definitely New Year's. 
Christmas was a solemn time to reflect, to pray, and to break fast. But New Year's was a time of celebration, not only because you were starting a new year, but because you were able to be joyous without any constraints. You were able to give gifts, visit family and friends, and really create a second meal that was without any other hindrances. Both the Christmas Eve meal and the New Year's Eve meal were known as réveillon. These are waking meals. They're meals where you're going to stay up all night, midnight and beyond, sometimes to dawn. And you're celebrating, you're dancing, you're singing, you're enjoying life together as a family and together as a community. That meant that the réveillon associated with New Year's Eve was a time to let loose and have fun, drinking, singing old songs, telling stories, and seeing children enjoy their new toys. This shows us that Francophone North Americans didn't just celebrate Christmas on the 24th and 25th of December, but throughout the 12 days of Christmas up until January 6th, or the end of Epiphany. According to research conducted by the Canadian-based company The French Canadian Genealogist, modern Christmas symbols came to Canada in 1781, when a British general of German descent named von Riedesel planted the first Christmas tree on Canadian soil in Sorel, Quebec. The practice of decorating Christmas trees was mainly done by bourgeois families up until the 1930s, when it became more commercially available and popular across North America to do so. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, a more commercialized version of Christmas made its way from the United States to Canada, incorporating a plethora of traditions from different European cultures. As more stores began advertising Santa Claus as the bringer of gifts, more children wanted to celebrate Christmas rather than New Year's Day. Traditions from numerous cultures began to converge with one another, such as Christmas stockings, Christmas trees, Christmas cards, and lots and lots of decorations. This changed Christmas from being a solely religious holiday to a more and more commercial one, and also one that could be shared with people who were not at all Christian. After having seen how popular New Year's Day and New Year's Eve were for French-speaking North Americans, I was curious to ask my own father about what his traditions were. My father is a first-generation American who grew up in the shadow of Canada. He lived only 15 minutes from the border, and his father, being a French-Canadian, must have had some traditions that he brought with him. Metro Detroit's proximity to Windsor, Ontario, and traditional Francophone population made me wonder what traditions were like here. Between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, which do you think was more important for your family and why? Christmas Eve was more important for us because we had adopted the American ways in many ways, being that we lived in the United States. New Year's Eve was fine and dandy and fun, but we mainly were celebrating Christmas Eve uh, rather than New Year's Eve. Did your father, who was French-Canadian, ever tell you about the traditions that he had on New Year's Eve, or was his tradition on Christmas Eve like yours? His traditions and his family were on Christmas Eve also, but in their case, they used to have barn dances and parties for New Year's Eve as well up there. So it was what was called a réveillon, the yes. whole night party. Did Correct. you ever get to experience a réveillon yourself? I did not, no. Did you do anything very similar to a réveillon, maybe a little bit more restricted in Michigan? Yes, we, we would party uh, here in Michigan for New Year's uh, at, at night, and uh, we would stay up all the way till practically dawn and drink and sing and so on. 
Were any of the French-Canadian folk songs part of that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you remember sharing those traditions with anyone else, maybe your neighbors or your friends from the community who were Francophone? No. Because I lived in Dearborn, Michigan, we had a very small number of French-Canadians here. We only had a minimal number of families, so we didn't do it that way. But there were enough French Canadians and French Americans in the area to have uh, Club La Salle. Uh, mm-hmm. What was Club La Salle? Club La Salle was mainly a place where, where uh, men and women would go to drink, play cards, and be together in a fraternity. Um, it was like a bar more than anything else. And it was Francophone, correct? It, it was, was Francophone. It was in French, yes. And I also, through some research that I was doing, and also from stories I heard from you growing up, there was a Société Saint-Jean-Baptiste here, which is the St. John the Baptist Society. This is very well known, particularly in Quebec. Um, this society more or less grouped together Francophones when they came across the border from Canada into Michigan. They started up a couple of chapters here, Were you also a part of those meetings? Yes, we were. Uh, We would attend the club meetings. They had meetings once a month at least, uh, sometimes more, depending on the season, and we would attend those meetings. And what happened at those meetings? Was it more of a a kind of a potluck meal, or was it a conversation hour? What what really happened there? The meetings consisted of, first of all, the business of the association was, was transacted at the beginning. After the business of the association had concluded, we would move on to the drinks and dinner and music for the evening. And what was the music consisting of? Were there people with fiddles and drums and spoons? Fiddles, drums, spoons, whatever instrument the uh, particular member could play, he would bring in and play for for the band. And we would dance, we would sing, and, you know, drink. Was it the traditional French-Canadian music, or would there be other music involved? It was French-Canadian music and also American tunes. So we would have uh, ballroom dancing type uh, situations in those days. It was very lovely. And was there anything special for Christmas or New Year's Eve that was similar to that? We had a Christmas party, and we would play French-Canadian Christmas tunes. Also, we would play American Christmas tunes. The children would go up to the front of the hall and begin singing Christmas carols, both in English and in French. The grown-ups, of course, also sang Christmas songs, like Minuit Chrétien and the like. Did anyone share gifts at that time, or was it mostly food and more or less having fun with your your friends from the community? It was a combination. We would exchange gifts also. There were boxes for individual families to pick up and uh, individual people, and we would exchange gifts also, yes. Were any of these families people who came maybe from Windsor, Ontario, or from other Francophone areas of Ontario that had just come across the border, or was it mostly Michiganders who had been there for a while? The vast majority of people at our club there at St. Joachim Church were from Michigan, and we were a, a Michigan club. I know that there were a few that came in from Windsor, but the majority of us were from places like Gross Point and the eastern communities of uh, Metro Detroit. Now, I was from one of the western communities of Metro Detroit, which had a much smaller French population. But on the east side of town, that is where the majority of French Canadians were living. And in fact, to this day, some of the streets have French Canadian names there on the east side, like there was, a place lot called Gross Point. Gross there was Point. even a, a road called French Road, I remember you telling me about. French Do you road? think that that was named after all of the French speakers in the area? I suspect it may have been. I'm not sure about that, but I suspect it was because there were a lot of French-speaking people living in the area 
And for our listeners, downtown Detroit has plenty of French-named roads. They're not pronounced correctly in French, if you wanted to pronounce them in the French way, but they are Americanized French roads, and they are more or less reminiscent of the ribbon farms that established Detroit at its outset. What a ribbon farm is, it's basically a farm that goes to the waterfront, in this case it's the Detroit River, and people establish their farms there for irrigation purposes, so that they'd have a water source and then they would be able to farm. So it seems like there was still a very large French-speaking population when you were growing up here. Yes, that's very true. And do you think that generationally, the people that you were interacting with there were the last generation to truly be Francophone? Do you think that your peers were the ones who sort of stopped speaking French, or do you think that it continued? Many of our parents were discouraging us from speaking French. They wanted to Americanize us and so that we would fit into the United States culture. So we should learn the English language, American language, thoroughly. Do you wish that your community had kept French alive a little bit more in that community and in your generation? Yes, I do. I, I truly regret and I really wish that I had been taught to speak fluent French. Do you think that Christmas time and New Year's time was a time that these communities spoke French the most, particularly your generation? No, French was spoken all year long at the club, for example. Of course, in the street, no one would understand what we're saying. Otherwise, uh, French was spoken at the club and, of course, English. There were, of course, a lot of religious communities in Metro Detroit that continued to give French mass, for example. There was St. Anne's in Detroit, which still exists and still gives French masses, and saint Joachim, which unfortunately closed its doors. Do you think that religion also played a role in keeping French alive in Metro Detroit? Yes, it did. It was part of our culture. Thank you so much for all of these answers. And I think I have one more question for you regarding Metro Detroit and French. Do you think that people in Metro Detroit could see more eye to eye with, say, for example, people from New England who grew up with the same kind of traditions you may have? Maybe a little bit of geographic difference. For example, Christmas Eve was more or less oyster shucking. It wasn't eating turkey or wasn't sitting around eating uh, the same things that you may have eaten. But do you think that you have more parity with people from New England or from Louisiana or from the same kind of traditions, French-Canadian and also Acadian tradition or Cajun traditions, than even some people that you grew up with in Metro Detroit? Yes, I do. Do you think it's because of the food and the music that brought it together? Food, music, and the way we spell and pronounce our names. <laughs> that definitely would help. Well, Monsieur Louis Brisson, merci beaucoup à vous. Uh, mon père ici, Louis Brisson, merci. Bienvenue. And thank you once again for coming on the North American Francophone Podcast. My pleasure. From my family to yours, thank, thank you, you for, for listening, listening to the North, North American, American Francophone, Francophone Podcast. Podcast.